Well, it's my great privilege and honor this morning to introduce our guest speaker today, my dear friend and pastor. I've known Pastor Tracy for a number of years now, maybe, I, I don't even know, it's, it's a little while, so a long time. So we met in the early 90s uh, in the midst of an outpouring of the Holy Spirit in this region, and Pastor Tracy was incredibly instrumental uh, in what happened in this region, and he's traveled the world. He's a pastor, prophet, apostle, entrepreneur, uh, life coach, trainer, uh, I mean, experimentalist, alchemist, uh, whatever, I don't know what else to say. He's an incredible, incredible man of God. Would you please jump up to your feet, put your hands together, give a warm pursuit welcome to my pastor, Tracy Armstrong. Come on, let's give the Lord a big clap and a shout this morning before we sit. Come on, let's give him. He is worthy of all praise. We love you, Lord. You're so good to us. We thank you for this opportunity to pursue you at Pursuit Northwest. It is a privilege to be here with you, Pastor Russell and Pastor Russ and Maria. Thank you for opening the house of the Lord. I know it's a very... Um, it's an honor to stand in the pulpit of someone who doesn't leave their pulpit very often. It's not, a, it's not a light thing to be invited to a pulpit that is not open that often. It's a big thing. So thank you. And thank you, Russ, if you end up watching this. Thank you for the opportunity. God is going to do something great in your midst. How many of you believe that? Amen. God's going to do something great. I can feel the atmosphere of the Lord here. I can feel the presence of the Lord here. Uh, the energy of believers pursuing God is amazing. I mean, there's nothing more powerful than that. We have some of our crew, Citadel Church. You guys have come here. Thank you for coming. Some of our, they're all in our leadership team. And uh, so thankful for you to be a part of here in this service. I want to uh, just introduce a couple of resources that I have available. And then we'll get right into the word. Is that all right? I have a book back there. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it. Um, it's called The Experimentalist. And I asked, I, in a service like this, I said, what do you call someone who tries things? And a little girl said, a scientist. And I said, that's right, that's right. But I can't name my book Scientist. What would I name it? So I named it, I named it The Experimentalist because an experimentalist, a scientist, we try things until we find the solution for the problem that we're going after. And there's two things that, that you have to have in mind that, that help you become an experimentalist. One uh, comes from a quote from Thomas Edison. He said, in order to invent, all you need is a good imagination and a pile of junk. And I realized that a lot of people that I talked to thought that their life was junk. So all we needed to do is activate their imagination. So this activates your dreaming again, activates your imagination. The other, the other quote, there's two creeds. The other creed is from Winston Churchill, who saw, was the one who first uh, recognized uh, the greatest threat to humanity at the time, which was Hitler and his, his strategy. And um, he recognized him. He said, he, said I, I, he says, I felt like I'm walking with destiny. How many of you ever feel like you're walking with destiny? And he says, all the things that I've gone through, everything that I've experienced has brought me to this time and this moment. I felt like it was, I was prepared for it and that I wouldn't fail. And that brings me to the, the second creed of this book is, is that, that you are designed for a specific moment to be revealed for a specific moment. And God has a moment for you to be revealed. How many of you believe that? Okay, you guys are going to get used to me. You've never seen me before. It's okay. I know you're quiet right now when you're saying you're trying to sell me a book. What are you trying to do? Sell me a book? Yes, I am trying to sell you a book. So let's just get past that. <laughs> so it will be a blessing. It will help you. Do you have this already, Mike? 
You do? Do you have it? Can I give it to you? Um, thank you. And so that's back there if, you, if you're interested in that. Another thing I want to just share is I, I, I've, you know, we've lost in America. We've had the greatest, we had the greatest economy that we've had for many, many years prior to COVID. Uh, with the hit of COVID, we lost 30, 30 plus million jobs. I said, Lord, what can I do? He said, uh, I want you to do something that brings increase, but I want you to do it for the believer and not for the unbeliever. I do a lot of coaching for the unbeliever. I do a lot of coaching. Most of my, most of my coaching is outside of the church because the church, they, they, like, they take everything as suggestions. So I chose to not spend my time coaching church people. So, so uh, he said, I wanted you to, I want you to do something for the church that will get the church into a position of recover all. A woman came and gave me a, a little, little note this, this morning. She says, the Lord says you're going to recover all. And that's what the whole, my whole purpose is for everybody in the body of Christ to recover everything that the devil has stolen from them. And so... The Lord put in my heart to design a five-day challenge that was based upon uh, 10xing, 10x increase, which is 10x is a common thing that you talk about in the marketplace. Um, but but using the gifts of the Holy Spirit. How many of you know the gifts of the Holy Spirit are not designed specifically for inside the building? They're they're designed to be at work. But the problem is is most Christians learn how to use the gifts of the Holy Spirit in church. So when they go to work, they just want to prophesy over people and lay hands on them and get them slain in the spirit. And nobody wants to do that at work. So there's got to be a different way. And so we, we created a space where we can teach you how to, how to do this and, and how to operate and activate the gifts of the spirit in the marketplace for greater inspiration, innovation, and impact. That's five days, me coaching. It's a $1,200 package, really, but it's for free. I'm doing it for free. I'm not, not charging anything. And I'm not going to be, like, selling you stuff the whole time. I'm, I tell you up front when I'm selling you something. And I tell you front when I'm giving you something for free. And this is free. And we, 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 we only intended to have 100 people. Right now we have 200 people registered. And, and we just started talking about it on Thursday, I think, Tuesday or Wednesday. Tuesday we started announcing it officially. So I think between now and, and Tuesday we'll probably have another 100, maybe 150 people that will register. And, um, but if you are interested in doing something and recovering all and doing something with the Spirit of God in the marketplace, there's not going to be anything like it. I mean, I'm telling you, there's no one that is actually doing anything like what God's about to reveal through his church in bringing increase. And some of you think, well, why, does he, why do you want to bring increase? Because the world needs the increase of God. We need to increase. We have a lot of stuff to do. We have a lot of work to do. You know, the Lord told us to, to buy, he said he's going to give us a fleet of airplanes. I said, why? He says, because I'm going to send you guys all over the world to do stuff. You need people. I mean, can you imagine, Michael, you all of a sudden call up and say, hey, we have a crew from Pursuit. We're headed over, you know, we want to go somewhere, Dubai, right? Okay, well, here, here's the plane. Go get it. That's what we want to do. Get in the plane and go. Because the kingdom of God must be built. Am I talking to the right people or should I not go? Maybe this is too far. Push my luck already this early in the service. My goodness gracious, stop it. All right, anyway, that's on, that's on Tuesday if you want to be a part of that. It's online. It's not going to be, you're not coming to my house. It's actually online. And, um, and if, you, if you can't make the live sessions, you can actually go to the pre-recorded. I mean, not pre-recorded, but go to the recorded sessions and do the replay. All right? Um, before we get into the message, I want to just say that there was, I kept praying for someone who had some kind of rupture. 
I don't know if it was a, an ulcer or if there's a, 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 like an intestinal colitis kind of thing. But God is healing an internal rupture and God is releasing that. Whether you're online or whether you, you're praying for someone or maybe you've been experiencing some kind of uh, colitis or colon rupture, God is releasing healing. You don't need to stand up. God releases healing. He just heals people. And that's what he does. He wakes up and goes, huh, and people get healed. So he's just all throughout this room, people are getting healed. It's going to be simply easy that way. The other thing that the Lord shared, and this was all in the first service, so I'm just saying it again just in case it's in the second service. Thyroid issues are being healed. God is releasing healing virtues of thyroid issues. You know, normally if someone has that issue, they go, yes, that's me. Thank you. I take it. And, but you don't have to. But just receive it. Just somehow just receive it to you by saying thank you, and then the virtue of God comes to you. Uh, then, the, then the last one, the last word of knowledge that the Lord gave me is if someone's sitting, they're sitting on your, it was like you're sitting on your, your, your tailbone and it is painful. And it, it could be like a sciatica, but it, it's some kind of pain in your lower back. God is releasing healing to you and God is moving mightily. Amen? You guys are pursuers, right? Okay. So you be healed in Jesus' name. And, and it could be anything that I'm, I'm not even mentioning now. I believe that the Lord is, is ready to do something mighty. I think the church has been shooken up a little bit in 2020. But I believe that uh, the world's been sh shooken. And uh, when, when, the, when the heavens shake, the earth shakes. How many of you know that? Uh, here, Mike, Mike said, you know, there's, there's, there's some rattling. There's something going on above us that God's been trying to do something for two, for about a year and a half. I would say about a year. I'd say 360 days. We spent everyday worship. You came and were part of the worship revival. And because we felt like something was hanging over, over the Northwest, and we just kept trying to puncture and puncture and puncture for that thing to break open flood. It's still just dripping. It's still dripping. With, with a year of everyday worship, it's still dripping. We need to puncture it. We need to break it open and release such a, such a release. And that release of whatever the presence of God wants to release into the earth will manifest a harvest of souls that we've never, ever seen in our lives. And they, I believe that this harvest of souls is not going to be people that you have to convince to get saved, but they're going to get saved because there's such a compelling, compelling that happens in the atmosphere. I just feel the presence of the Lord in this place, that God wants a compelling atmosphere. Woo. This week when I was praying, and you know, we were, we were going to have some kind of conversation. I don't know. We may end up having a conversation at the end where we're talking about racism a little bit. But I felt like the Holy Spirit said, you know, I want them to, I want them to know that I'm going to pour something out. Before I get into the message, can I just say this little thought? That the Lord was showing me, yeah, I've been praying, you know, I'm not a feast guy, I'm not like a feast, I have, I have rabbinical friends and stuff, but I'm not like, hey, let's do the feast of the Lord, you know. But the feasts this year have been so significant because every, time, every, every moment there's, the feast was supposed to be celebrated, we were busy saving ourselves. At the point of, at the, point of the, the Passover, the, which is about putting the blood on you to where the aim, you know, it is communion, but it's more about putting the blood on you. A lot of people spend time with the communion, but it's more about putting the blood on you. Putting the blood so that the death angel walks past. The whole time we're, 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 we're protecting ourselves six feet, washing everything, rubbing everything from the death angel. And he stole our Passover. He stole our Passover. The, the, second, the second thing, uh, 
was, was Shavuot. Shavuot is the, what we call Pentecost. Pentecost was 50 days after the Passover. They would come out of Egypt 50 days. And it says they came out of Egypt in the lovely scripture. They came out of Egypt and coming out of Egypt, they came out as a mixed multitude. They didn't come out as all Israelis. They came out as a multicultural group. And their pursuit from, from, that, from Egypt as a multicultural, they ended up in Mount Sinai where Mount Sinai, the description that the rabbinical teachers say that there was, there was lightnings and thunders. It was fire and tongues of fire in Mount Sinai. On their, and they, there was languages coming off of the mountain. That was on Mount Sinai. So they walked as a unified group, every nation, every color, every creed to the mountain of the Lord where he poured out. And his first grace was the grace of his law that separated and made them different. In the New Testament, it says this, they came to the upper room. You guys know that story? They came to the upper room and in the upper room, the winds come in. The same thing that happened in the Mount Sinai happened in a room that was upper. I've been to that upper room. It's the highest room in, that, in the highest place. So it's on top of the mountain. It's a room on top of the mountain. Oh, I wish I could go into the room on top of the mountain, right? It's that, <laughs> it's that place. They came to a higher place. And in the higher place, it says the tongues of fire came upon them. And this, and, but then it says something. And everybody, every language, every nation heard it. The power of Pentecost is not speaking in tongues. The power of Pentecost is bringing nations together. And right before Pentecost celebration, we have one man crying out saying, I can't breathe, and it divided all nations. We are in a strategic division. The spirit of control that is coming from a communist spirit. I know, can I say that here? Because that's, that's the way I've been talking to my church. I don't know if I can say that here. But it's a spirit. It's a spirit. Even though COVID manifests in the natural, it's a spirit. Even though the cry of this young Black man was, I can't breathe, I can't breathe. Now look at breath with the COVID, breath with the racial tension. They're both cutting, they're both happening and, and chopping off, stopping our feast, which are to prepare us. Now this, the, those feasts, gosh, I wasn't intended to talk about this. Is this right? Those feasts, those feasts are the first and latter rain that we pray for, the first and latter rain to prepare us for the harvest. If we miss those two feasts, the ground is not ready for the harvest. The harvest is to be, is, is to be activated at the Feast of tr Trumpets, which is in September. So what, what has he done? He put a spirit of death against the, at the time of, that we're supposed to be, death's supposed to be passing by us, death was released. At the, at the time that racial, racial unity was supposed to happen, racial tensions happened. He contradicted each one of our feasts this year. The Feast of Trumpets is when the trumpets sound and we're taken up. Every time there's a trumpet sound, you're taken up to another level. Every time you hear a trumpet sound, you go up. And from the going up, it's, it's the going up and it leads you into this next season, the next season. So you go up, and, you go up at a trumpet and you tabernacle with him. And when you get to heaven, in the tabernacle, in Revelations, it says that every, every, tongue, every tongue, every tribe, every nation, every language will be in heaven. That's what the tabernacle looks like. This is what the devil's been after. He's been trying to stop us from this season. There's something so specific about 220. It's some, something so specific about 2020 that he says, I've got to cut them off at the feast. 
If I cut them off in these seasons, they can't get into the heavenly places that they're supposed to be seated in, and they can't have a habitation with him. I've got to keep my voice because i got to yell at other people probably later, my kids, maybe somebody. So, so you got to say amen. So you have to understand that there is such a strategy. And so I've been praying, and I didn't get, to, I didn't get an answer to my prayer until I started praying for pursuit. I've been praying. I've been telling people. I've been, they, my, my, my team's been asking. My wife has been asking. So how do we redeem the two? How do we redeem these two? How do we redeem the two? Because if we miss those two, we're not ready for the trumpet sound. You know Jesus is supposed to come back at a trumpet sound? We're supposed to go up at a trumpet sound? Which that trumpet is blown every September. Which, pattern-wise, I'm not saying Jesus is coming back this September. That man said Jesus come back September. He crazy. I may be crazy, but I didn't say that. But I don't know. I don't doubt that he will come back in a feast of trumpets season. Which means the enemy is going to start trying to break that pattern the closer we get to it. Because if he breaks that pattern, we're not ready. We're busy running. What time am I supposed to be done today? 12.30ish? Okay. I think, I think Megan, she runs a lot of stuff. She tells me what to do. Sit there, stand here, drink this. <laughs> so so I, want, I want you to understand, just as I'm, just as I'm posturing this, when I, when I had a, I have, I, have some, I have some friends that are rabbinical friends. You know my friends. And I, in this dream, it was right, I was praying for pursuit, and then I went, to, I went to sleep. And then I went in this dream, I saw such a move of God that my, that my, my rabbi friend was standing in the midst of it. And he, he gets hit with the Holy Ghost. We're just standing in a room, and we're talking about stuff, and he gets hit with the Holy Ghost. He goes, like, what did I get hit with? And he falls down shaking in the power of God. And now he's been in lots of services with us. And he's, he's like America's rabbi. And, and I'm thinking, I, whatever hit him hit him so bad, so powerful, he was shaking on the power of God. He couldn't resist it. It was an irresistible invasion of God. And then all of a sudden God says, blood and fire is what I want you to release on Sunday. First... The, the two harvests that we missed are blood and fire harvest. That prepares us for the sound that comes in September. You, we start the sound Friday, but the sound that we're really going to make is in September. I don't know what that is. But we got to agree with Rosh Hashanah. We got we to agree with this trumpet sound. But, but today, at the end of the service, however we're going to release, we're going to release blood and fire to try to catch up on a harvest. So we're not missing the first and latter rain, which prepares the ground for the seed to grow and for the harvest to grow and for us to reap the harvest when the sound hits. And then us stepping into a realm of tabernacle with God. Can you imagine in a tabernacle with God? A pavilion, a protected place. That's, that's the word of the Lord anyway. That's, that's what the Lord wanted me to tell you. 
in November, the Lord was, you know, every year we pray, we fast, we say, God, what do you want? What do you want for 2020? What do you want for this year? Some years he's really slow, gives it to me on the night before I'm supposed to preach it, you know, the 31st, <laughs> December. Some years he's really excited. This year he was, last year he was really excited. In 2019 he was excited. He gave, he started, he, he gave me an image when I was in Washington, D.C., and I believe that there's a bridge that we're building between D.C. and, and Washington and Washington. And, and this was the picture he gave me about 2020. He showed me looking in the, in the future, and he showed me rubbing my eyes. And then looking, rubbing my eyes, and looking again, rubbing my eyes. And then I see the word coming above, astonishing. And then he said, I want you to believe for the astonishing in 2020. So we come into 2020 preaching and declaring astonishing. Literally, from that D.C. trip into the new year, we saw tumors dissolving people. We saw the most incredible miracles. We've always seen miracles, but we saw them so easy. It was like we're just saying, Jesus is here. And all of a sudden, he goes, yes, I'm here. And then all of a sudden, miracles start happening. And we, I mean, literally, we, were, we watched a growth in a woman's neck in D.C. just dissolve. From the time she was, she was in her seat where this lady is in the white, and they say, come forward. As she walked forward, it just went away. It went away. We saw miracles like that. It was the most, and, we, and I come into the year going, this is the year of the astonishing. And then everybody's out. Then, you know, last month, everybody's like, so what happened to your astonishing year, bro? <laughs> I'm still going like this. <laughs> but the realization is that the Lord showed me, he says, in order to, for a superhero to be really an amazing superhero, you have to have an incredible villain. When you're writing, I'm writing a, a graphic novel now, and the key to writing a graphic novel is your villain has to be three to ten times more powerful than your, your hero. At least appear to be. Bigger, more, more nemesing. Yeah, so, men menacing. You have to actually create this huge, so then when the hero arises, the hero is really a hero. I'm telling you, we're getting set up for a hero. We're getting set up for our hero. And I know that some people say, it's, only, it's half of the year. The year's all the year, already over. No, it's just the beginning. It's just the beginning because we're about to, we're going to no longer rub our eyes looking at what the devil has done. We're going to rub our eyes looking at what God has done. And we're going to say, God, this is amazing. You've turned this year around. You've done something amazing. I can't believe what, is, what has happened here in this year. 2020 was the best year of my life. We have to believe that God is that kind of God. So I want to talk to you from Mark chapter 6, verse 42. And I'm going to do my best to do this within the next 20 minutes. And let's just, if you, the more you say amen, the faster I preach. So. <laughs> We're done. Mark chapter 6, verse 42, it says, um, I'm going to read quite a bit. So if you can follow along as best you can, it would be great. It says, they, they all ate and were satisfied, and they picked up 12 baskets, 12 full baskets of the broken pieces and also of the fish. This is from the little boy who gave his, his lunch to Jesus. Jesus broke it, multiplied it. The astonishing was happening right there, right there, multiplied it, and he was picked up his 12 baskets. The little kid took it home. Can you imagine? He comes, he leaves home with a little tiny lunch pail. He comes home with 12 baskets, and my mom would be like, what happened? And they can eat for a whole year off of that. That's great. And so this is what Jesus did to change the economy. May he do that for us. 
In verse 44, and there were 5,000 men who, who ate the loaves, and immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side of Bethsaida. And while he himself was sending the crowd away, after bidding them farewell, he left for the mountain to pray. And when it was evening, the boat was in the middle of the sea, and he was alone on the land, seeing them straining at the oars, for the wind was against them. At about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them, walking on the, wa walking on the sea, and he intended to pass them. But when they saw him, when they saw him walking on the water, they supposed that it was, that it was a ghost, and it cried out, for they all, they all saw him and were terrified, and immediately, but immediately, he spoke with them and said to them, take courage, it is I, do not be afraid. Then he got into the boat with them, and the wind stopped, and they were utterly, utterly astonished. Utterly astonished. Let's, let's go back to a couple thoughts here in this passage. The first thought is this. As a leader, when I read the Bible, I read the Bible with a, with a leadership lens. I, I, I read it as if I was in the position of Jesus and would I do the same thing. And so often I'm like not, not completely in agreement with Jesus. He needs to get my leadership book. So the, the first thing I see is that Jesus is, is, is sending his help away on a boat, on a trip. Go away while we still have, we have a crowd of 5,000 men. Now, if you've ever been someplace where men eat, Okay, you guys don't want to, you're sitting next to a man, so you don't want to say anything. But it doesn't, it doesn't, they don't leave her clean. I'm a man, so don't get mad. We don't leave, my, my wife makes fun of me because I have, I have drips on my shirt, you know, because it's good. And I'm not thinking about saving, it's just going down and it's going good. It's going to land wherever it lands, praise the Lord. So the table's not, so Jesus is sending his help away and he goes, don't, go, go guys, you guys get on the boat, I'm going to clean up. And by the way, I'm going to say bye to our guests. So he says bye to the guests. He says, he says you guys go to Bethsaida. He sends them away. That is not a leadership mindset. A leadership mindset is, okay, come on, guys. I'm going to put you, you're in, you're in team B, you're in team A, you're in team B. You do the dishes, you do the, right, you do, that's what leadership is. So I know right away when he's going against what I see as his main structure, primarily, I know that I need to pay attention. This is contrary to his way of doing things. He orders, he orders things. He organizes things. So why? He sends them to Beth, Bethsaida. The, the boys get into the boat, and as they're getting in the boat, they have to row across. Something that they've done. They've rowed across this sea a lot. They're rowing across the sea, and, they're rowing, and so they're on their way. Jesus decides, I'm going to go, and I'm going to pray. So think about the amount of time that is going by. He's cleaning up. He's sending everybody away. Thanks, guys. See you next Thanksgiving, right? And then all of a sudden, he goes up, and he prays. And when he's praying, he spends all day, comes down to the, to the fourth watch. Let's say that's, that's like late. He comes down off the mountain and he sees the guys that he sent. Let's, let's just put an hour on it. Let's, let's say five, ten hours. That's a lot of hours. Let's do seven hours, what you guys did in worship. Let's do seven hours. He sees them over there. And they're only halfway across. Because they are fighting the wind. They're fighting the wind. How many of you have ever, ever had God send you to do something and encounter wind? Sometimes we think if we're in the will of God, we don't ever have resistance. Can I tell you, I've never been in the will of God and not had resistance? 
I want to talk to someone over here because I heard more amens over here. Is there, have, 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 can, have you ever been in the will of God without having a wind of resistance? It says that they were working at the oars, straining. I want you to know when God calls you to do something, there's a strain to it. And sometimes God wants you to strain for the sake of realizing the straining is a, is a, is a byproduct of doing it the wrong way. You guys didn't want to say amen there. So. <laughs> they're straining at the oars. They're doing, they're, see, God sometimes sends you into resistance so that you realize what you've been doing doesn't work. The church is encountering this thing, and we're realizing the way we've been doing it, what we've been doing it, it hasn't worked. You want to know, you like, it works for us. I know, yeah, people come. It's great. But the fact is, is the church is on the last of the list of priorities to get back active in our city. That tells us how we're straining. If we were victorious, they would want us to be the first. They would say, you are an essential business. We had to beg the government. Petition and plead. We're the most powerful force on the earth. I'm talking to these guys. I see. We're the most powerful force on the earth. There's nothing more powerful. There's nothing superior than the church. And we're begging. Lisa, can you allow us to meet again? That tells me we're straining at the oars. We're straining at the oars. When I realized that they were putting businesses back in place, that they were exalting medical before us, my, my, my greatest fear, if some of you know, my greatest concern when this thing hit was not the physical ramifications, it was the, I called it COVID, the soul COVID. And it turned out to be the worst thing ever. Worse than COVID could ever be is this COVID. What happens to a person's soul when they're controlled? Everything we're seeing on the earth is a byproduct of controlling spirit. We've been rowing at the oars and God's saying it's time for us to do it differently. Jesus is all day, he goes up there, he's singing kumbaya with his father, hanging out. Comes walking down the mountain and he stands on the shore and he sees his guys just sweating. And so he says, well, I, I got to go to Bethesda, Bethesda too. So he just, <laughs> he just starts walking to Bethesda. I, can I read this, this passage from another view for a second? Matthew chapter 14. Turn there with me real quick. It says, and when, when the disciples saw him on the sea, verse 26, when the disciples saw him on the sea, they were terrified and said, it is a ghost. Isn't it amazing what the world calls a ghost? But the church is also calling it ghostly. Don't speak in tongues anymore. 
I mean, I'm now in Washington where revival was breaking out, and I'm being told as a pastor, you can no longer speak in tongues in church. It freaks people out. How can what I do, the thing that keeps me alive, the thing that keeps all the darkness away, how can I tell people that are coming to me to be set free not to have the power I have? I can't sell a fake Jesus. The moment you get close to Jesus, he wants to fill you up. He wants, to put, he wants to come and live inside of you. Not a little bit, but he wants you to be full of him. And it's amazing what happens when you get full. You go, is this too much? I got to look at Michael. He laughs at everything. He likes it also. I want you to know this. I want you to get this. I want you to understand. We cannot call the things that we used to call weird weird anymore. We got to allow God to show up. We've got to allow God to come in his way. And do you know when God's doing something that you aren't used to, it's always weird? You know salvation was weird until I got saved? Speaking in tongues was weird until I needed it. How many of you know you can get so needy for something, you're like, yeah, do do that to me. You want to know what's weird? Is I go to the mall the other day and I can't go into a store without a mask. All right, see, you guys don't. I think it's weird. I was, I was utterly offended when I, was, when I heard about this disease. I was so mad. I'm like, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. You controlling spirit, you're not going to tell me what I can and cannot do. I have Jesus living on the inside of me. Now, I do it to to appease other people because I don't want you to freak out when I get around you. (laughs) You got COVID. No, it was just a little tickle on my nose. It's all right. I want you to see this. It's it's so important that we rise. We We can't in this season go into this next season. You can't look at things that you don't understand and immediately reject it. Because when God starts to be the Holy Spirit and supernatural God that he is, you're going to see and experience stuff. You're going to go, is that okay? And what I love about the New Testament is that's how it works. Everybody goes, where did this come from? This is that, right? And then you have to go into the scriptures and explain it. Let's stop having God to explain what he's going to do. Let him do it. And then when you're in the experience, then open up the scripture. We talk ourselves out of the next level of God because we don't see it first. But you'll never see what you don't experience. You only can see it when you experience it in the Bible. That's when they say, this is why the scripture says. This is why the scripture says. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, take courage, it is I, do not be afraid. Peter said to him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, come. And Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. Now I want you to see this because this is super important that this, this, this scenario is not mentioned in Mark. 
There's things that God wants to do in your life that maybe it's not happening in everyone else's life, but you need to allow it happen in your life. You need to be the one out of 12 that says, can I get out of the boat? I'm not, I, don't, I don't know what's happening in everyone else's life, but I want Jesus, and I want him powerful, and I want him mighty, and I want him manifesting his glory. I want him manifesting his power in this season. This is, this, is, this is so beautiful. Jesus is walking on the water. And these guys have been rowing. These guys have been rowing at the, they've been working at the oars. They've been rowing and straining at the oars. And that's a horrible circumstance because the wind is pushing so hard against them. Not just the waves, the wind is pushing so hard. How hard is that wind? And it's, they're struggling. But what's really amazing is Jesus decides, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to walk and pass you guys up. It says that he intended to pass them. So here's Jesus on the water. The very thing that is holding them back makes him look good. Come on, somebody, you know what I mean. The wind is making, and then it's kicking up that sea breeze, and he gets that nice sea breeze look. Fish are jumping up at paparazzi fish. <laughs> Jesus is walking on the water, and he's going so fast in the thing that's resisting you. It's amazing. If we actually see what Jesus is doing, he's moving so fast when everything is slow in this season. Peter sees Jesus. He says, it is I. He says, it's you, Lord. Man, you look good. Can I come? How many, how many of you know that Peter is really, really tired of rowing by now? He's doing it the natural way. He's doing it the way he's always known it. He's, I mean, these guys have hit, they've, they've, Shore to shore, they've done that over and over. You don't even have to think about it. You know what I think is happening? God's waking us up from the thing that's so rhythmic and so routine that we don't even think about it. We're so stuck in the natural. We're just doing it the natural way. We're just doing it the natural way. And Jesus says, I'm not going to get in your natural boat. I'm not going to do it your natural way. I'm going He comes walking on the water, and he intends to pass them. I read that. I said, Jesus, you're so mean. Aren't you going to go and help your bros? Because this is what we think. We think if Jesus is not going to come and save us, rescue us, then he's a mean God. Jesus is not interested in rescuing people he's empowered. Why give you power if you need to be rescued? Here's the AR. Take care of business. Help me! I gave you an AR. You guys don't know what that is? I thought over here you would. Are you guys afraid to say? Point and pull the trigger. And we're sitting there going, Jesus, help me. Why should he rescue you when you're empowered? And then we get mad with, Jesus didn't rescue me. I tried that, Jesus. 
All he did is gave me a gun. He gave you power. He gave you power. The thing that doesn't work in Christianity is victim. It doesn't work. You can't be victim and victorious. It's impossible. And you choose the way you go. He's choosing to walk past him. When I saw that, I said, God, why are you going to walk past him? He said one word. He spoke one word. He said the word inertia. I said inertia. Do, does she live on this? <laughs> Where's where inertia live? You guys don't know that. That's it. That's an urban joke. So forgive me. <laughs> inertia, you, you've, you've all experienced inertia. You're, it's when one, one, one mass is at rest and it's caught in the velocity of another. So if you're in a car, you're, you're, in, you're at passenger level, you're passenger, and someone's driving and all of a sudden they go, oh, there's the turn, and they go, Phew. and what, which way do you do? What, do? what do you do? You stay there. Okay, most of you, you're like going, I think. Yeah, you do that. You do that. You go, Phew. and that, and, and first you, you at, it shows that you're, you're at, a, at rest. You're not resistant. You're not in the flow. You're not in the force. You're just so rested. It pulls you. But first you see the rest by going the opposite way and then that direction. What Jesus was saying is when I was walking by them, I was trying to activate inertia in them that I would pull them off of the boat to walk with me. That they would say, where are you going? Peter was the only one out of 12 that said, where are you, can I go with you? Or can I come out to you? Is what he actually said. Can I come to you? Jesus said, come to you. Peter gets out of the boat and he starts walking to Jesus. As he walks to Jesus, he gets to him. Can you imagine? He walks off of a boat and walks on the water and gets to Jesus. He got to Jesus. The Bible says you're... you're that God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you ask or think according to the power that works within you. So he asked, can I come to you? Yeah, come on. He gets to him. That He does it. He gets the answer to his prayer. It's exactly what he prayed. And then he doesn't have another prayer. He doesn't have another goal. He doesn't have another destination. Some of us, we think salvation is getting to Jesus. When he told us to get to Bethsaida. I'm going to get to Jesus. Jesus is going to get to me. We're going to be kumbaya. The realization is Jesus is on a journey to Bethsaida, and that's where the goal was. When he sent you from the shore, he said, get somewhere. Do you want to know why I know you're going to live? You want to know why I know you're not going to die? You want to know why I know this sickness can't get you? You want to know why I, I know all? It's because you have a destiny to get to. You have a Bethsaida to get to. You have a place to go. You're not just trying to get to Jesus. You're going to go with Jesus to the place that you're supposed to go. You're not going to stop short. You're not going to stop early. 
according to the power that works within you. That's the power that works within you is that God told you where to go. God has a destiny for you. I see young people, when I meet young people, my first question to any of them is, what's your purpose? You know what I've encountered over the last few years? It's been really a sad thing for me. I don't know. You want to know why young people are running and trying to block off of six, six blocks? It's because they don't know their purpose. And so they may ruin someone else's life or doing something else to someone else, their purpose. When you have a place to go, you have a Bethsaida to go. If you stop short, you'll sink. I'm telling you, get up and let's go. Let's go to our next place. Let's go to our next level. We cannot get to where God wants us to go doing it the natural way. This is the season of the supernatural. It's time for us to get out of the boat and walk on the water and step into the supernatural and go God's way. You know what's really amazing is when Jesus... Peter starts to go down, Jesus will rescue you. Jesus is okay with rescuing you because he, he doesn't want you to die. He's invested in you. So he pulls you up and then he walks right back to the, he walks back to the boat with them. My thought walking back to the boat was, you're walking on the water again. Refuse to get in the boat. Don't go back to normal when you start walking on the water again. Yeah, you sank. Yeah, you sank. Who cares? Get back up. Get back up and walk on the water again. No one says you got to go back to the normal. No one says you got to go back to the boat. I told Jesus. I did. I told him. I said, you try to take me back to the boat, I'm kicking you in your shins. I'd be like, don't put me back. Don't get me back. I'm not going back to the boat, Jesus. You pull me up out of the water, and you can pull me up out of the water again, and I can keep going dunking up and dunking up all the way to Bethsaida on the water, but I'm not getting back to that boat. I am not going back to normal life. I'm not going back to normal living. I'm not going back to normal life. I am not going back to that boat. I refuse. I refuse to get on the boat. You told me, Jesus, that a good man will fall, fall seven times and get back up. Well, I got, I got six more falls before we get the best hater. But I'm not going back to that boat. Is there anybody in this room? I got to finish right now. Is there anybody in this room that says, I'm not going back to that boat? Come on, I need someone that says, I'm not going back to that boat. I'm not going back to that boat. Come on, I'm losing my voice. I need you to say it. I'm not going back to that boat. I'm not going back to normal marriage. I'm not going back to normal family. I'm not going back to normal church. I'm not going back to normal business. I'm not going back to normal health. I'm not going back to normal. I am not going back to normal. I'm not going back. I see the supernatural intervention of God moving on your life. Put your hands out for me. I release on you the anointing of God. I release on you the anointing of God. You said, God, where's my favor? I need favor. I need favor in this season. And God says, I'm pouring favor on you right now. This is the season of favor that's coming on your life. I am telling you, you can keep on walking above the circumstances. Don't allow the circumstances to pull you down, says the Lord. The victory. 
The Lord says, fear is no longer where you're going back. The enemy says, the enemy says, your boat is fear and I'll keep you locked in it. But God says, I break fear off of you right now. I break the spirit of intimidation. I break the spirit of fear. I break it off of you right now in the name of Jesus. The, the enemy wants to keep you in fear and that boat of fear. That's been your natural inclination, not stepping out because what if this, what if this? And the fact is, you are so hidden in your talents. You have hidden talents. Talents that you won't have revealed to anybody because of fear. I break it off of you today. And I, I break it off of you right now in the name of Jesus. I break it off of you right now in the name of Jesus. I declare the shackles are broken, the chains broken off of your neck, the chains broken off of your creativity. I release the grace of God on you in the name of Jesus. I'm not going back to the boat. I'm not going back. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not going back to the boat. Just reach up real quick and just let's grab the two. Come on, let's grab the two. Blood and fire. This is the first time I'm releasing it. Right here. Pastor Maria, I saw such an anointing. I don't know what, what you do, but I saw such an anointing this morning. And all I saw is your arms stretched out like this. And I just felt like there was an immu, immu, uh, just a release of love. And you just want to catch them all. It's like a Pokemon. You just want to catch. And I just see a harvest of young people and children. I see a harvest of people coming. I call. I declare you are a harvester. A harvester. A harvester. A harvester. That, that, that anointing that is manifesting in your life of nurturing and loving people is going to be supernatural in this season. Supernatural love, supernatural revelation, supernatural fire, supernatural fire, supernatural fire. You're like an, you're like an RN in the spirit. You're someone that just nurses, nurses people and brings them to health and brings them to life. And God shows me. God shows me you have witty inventions when it comes to psychology. You have witty inventions when it comes to thinking in the people's thoughts and getting into their thoughts. God's going to open up their hearts and their minds to you. And you're going to know how just to get right in that right spot and bring healing and life to them. I just see you speaking to the souls of men and women. Not just to their spirit because their souls are the hang-up. Their soul is to hang up, and God says, you have the ability to diffuse all of their arguments. All of their arguments. I release the grace of God on you for this season. Man, there's such a prophetic anointing in this service. I just, I just. How many of you are not going back to the boat? You're ready to step into the supernatural that God has for you. Don't accept anything to be the way that it used to be. When you feel like you're going back into the same old rhythm, same old routine, just ask the Lord, how can I make this supernatural? How can I do this supernatural? You're not going to violate excellence. You're not going to violate any of that. 
I don't violate excellence. I'm, I love excellence. That's my thing. That's my jam. You can't be in business and hate excellence. It's impossible. But supernatural works in business.